This is the smell of the leftover tuna fish sandwich you left in your lunchbox over the weekend in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag. Hefty, hefty, hefty! Ah, <sighs> smell the difference? Hefty Ultra Strong has Arm & Hammer with continuous odor control, so no matter what's inside your trash, hmm, you can stay one step ahead of Stinky. And for a bigger jobs, try the superior strength of Hefty Large Black Bags. You're listening to The Murder in My Family, brought to you by Abject Entertainment. Be sure to check out some of the other great true crime podcasts from this network, including Missing Persons, DNA ID, Scene of the Crime, Malice, and Three Men and a Mystery. All of these podcasts are available for you to binge on right now wherever you listen to podcasts. Subscribe where you're listening to this podcast so you don't miss an episode. The views and opinions expressed by guests on this podcast do not necessarily represent those of the podcast, its host, or sponsors. If you would like to discuss the murder in your family on this podcast, please be sure to visit themurderinmyfamily.com for more information. You can support this podcast by visiting patreon.com forward slash the murder in my family. This episode may contain unsettling material or subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. Thank you for joining me for episode 76 of The Murder of My Family, and Happy New Year. I'm your host, Mike Morford. In this episode, we'll be discussing the case of Gregory Stewart, a talented and up-and-coming hip-hop star who was gunned down in the St. Louis neighborhood, leaving his five children fatherless and his parents desperate for answers. We'll get into this case after some quick housekeeping. Independent podcasts like this one depend on word of mouth to bring in new listeners. So if you find that you enjoy this podcast, please take a minute to rate and review it wherever you listen to your podcast, and be sure to introduce a friend of the show and invite them to listen. With your help, this show can continue to grow and reach a new audience. To learn more about the show or the cases we discuss, please visit themurdermyfamily.com. You can also find us on Twitter with the handle at MurderMyFam, or by searching for the Murder My Family podcast on Facebook. If you'd like to support the show through a Patreon donation, it's always appreciated, and you can do so by visiting patreon.com forward slash the murder of my family. Benefits of supporting the show on Patreon include early access to ad-free episodes of the show, plus bonus content not heard in regular episodes. Support may also include thank you cards, stickers, and more. If you prefer to, you can also support the show through a PayPal donation by visiting paypal.me forward slash the murder of my family. In each episode, I'll give shout outs to any new supporters and thank you to all of the supporters that generously donate and help keep the show growing and improving. One last note, please consider supporting any of the sponsors that you hear on the murder of my family, the way that those sponsors support the show. It's with our sponsor support that this show can go on and continue to provide a platform to share these stories with you in every episode. Thank you. And now on with the show. No matter where you fall on the U.S. gun debate, we all know that gun violence in the USA is real, and it isn't going away anytime soon. 
The media often highlights some of these cases, keeping them in the national spotlight for days or weeks on end. But sadly, some outlets also tend to gloss over, or not cover at all, the cases of gun violence involving minority victims, or victims of gang violence. While gun and gang violence is a problem coast to coast in cities across the nation, one city that's been hit particularly hard by violence is the city of St. Louis, Missouri. While St. Louis is well known for its amazing food, the Gateway Arch, and for being home to celebrities like Akon and John Goodman, it definitely has a downside. There were 36 homicides in East St. Louis alone in 2020, and every one remains open as of the recording of this episode. Directly across the Mississippi River in East St. Louis, Illinois, 14 of 63 homicide cases remain open as of January 2021. One of the victims of that gun violence was Gregory Hakeem Stewart Sr., an aspiring hip-hop performer and producer. Gregory, who was just 31 years old, was the father of five children, three girls and two boys, ranging from age 3 to 12. Gregory was also known as Little Georgia, and he performed at different venues in the St. Louis metro area. He went by Little Georgia because he was born in Savannah, Georgia. Gregory attended school in Savannah, and then later moved with his parents, Paul and Latasha Stewart, to Kansas City, Missouri, and then to Cahokia, Illinois. When Gregory got to the St. Louis area, he really excelled in the world of hip-hop music. He was the CEO, owner, and founder of his own record label, Gangster Mafia Family, or GMF 1504. Gregory recorded thousands of songs with his brothers that have been shared through SoundCloud, YouTube, and on various platforms across the internet. Gregory had a reputation in his neighborhood of being friendly and for always helping out someone in need. On May 28, 2020, Gregory went to the home of an acquaintance, and what happened there left his five children suddenly fatherless. At around 11 p.m. at 2408 Bond Street, Gregor Stewart became the latest victim of gun violence in East St. Louis, Illinois. Witnesses say that as people left the home, a fight started. Once outside, the people involved in the fight found themselves facing gunfire. Someone apparently jumped out of the bushes and indiscriminately shot towards the crowd who was departing. Unfortunately, Gregory was struck by one of those bullets. He was rushed to the hospital, but sadly, he died the next day on May 29th. News of the shooting devastated Gregory's parents, and they soon were tasked with having to break the news to the rest of his family and friends. Since the time of the shooting, Gregory's mother, Latasha, believes that someone called her son to Bond Street that night for a reason and she wants that person to tell the truth so she can find peace and answers and know what happened to her son. Though authorities do not believe that Gregor was targeted, Gregor's father, Paul, believes that someone set him up. But as is all too common in these kinds of shootings, not many people are willing to talk, perhaps out of some sort of street code or perhaps out of fear. The result is that Gregor's parents are heartbroken, and his children will now have to grow up without their father. There's a $5,000 reward being offered for information leading to a felony arrest by the St. Louis Regional Crime Stoppers. You can report any information anonymously to them by calling their hotline at 
tips or 1-866-371-8477. Crime Stoppers advises that they don't have caller ID or any method to track callers, and they encourage people with information to not be afraid to report what you know. Gregory Stewart's family is also offering an additional $2,000 reward for any information leading to his killer. Gregory's mother, Latasha, joined me to discuss her son's murder and her efforts to get justice for him. That conversation is coming up in just a moment. Hey everyone, Happy New Year. With a brand new year, a lot of us are hoping to make this year an even better one than last. But for some of us, that's easier said than done. Because often, things that were weighing on us don't magically leave us with the change of a calendar page. But the good news is, there is help, and that help is called BetterHelp. If there's something that's interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals, then BetterHelp Online Counseling might just be the right solution for you. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can connect in a safe and private online environment. It's so convenient and you can start communicating with a counselor in under 24 hours. This isn't self-help. It's professional counseling. Send a message to your counselor at any time. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions, all without having to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room. BetterHelp can assist you with so many things, from depression, stress, and anxiety, to family conflicts, sleep issues, and more. Anything you share is confidential. And while BetterHelp isn't a crisis line, it is convenient, professional, and affordable. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they're recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. I want you to start living a happier life today. As a listener of The Murder of My Family, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com family. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. Once again, go to betterhelp, that's H-E-L-P dot family, and you'll save 10% on your first month of BetterHelp. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hi, Latasha, and welcome to The Murder of My Family. I appreciate you coming on. Hi, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, and I'm I'm happy to have you here. I wish it was under different circumstances. I know it's very fresh for you that your son Gregory was killed this year, so my condolences go out to you and your family. How have you been able to get through these last six-plus months? Well, this is a turmoil for me, and my mind is constantly racing and wondering and thinking and trying to think of, you know, what happened, who done it to my son, who murdered my son, you know, myself and my family, we're out here constantly putting out flyers, canvassing the neighborhoods and doing our own detective work, which, you know, sometimes I get a little scared because I feel like it's it's dangerous, you know, but if we don't do it, who's going to do it, you know? Besides the detectives, try to, we're trying to get information that's going to lead to an arrest and the conviction of the people that's responsible for my son's murder. 
And I think as parents, there's nothing we won't do for our children. So even if that means going out there and putting yourself at risk. Yes. You know, so like I said at first, you know, I was a little leery, you know, as far as like revealing my identity and all this. But, you know, like I say, you know, it's all about my son and getting justice. So, you know, that's why I'm out here on Facebook Live and stuff and sharing and posting in all the groups and stuff. Because, like I say, my goal is to get my son's story out, the murder of my son, really worldwide, because you never know where these people could be. They could have went somewhere and tell somebody else or whatever. You know, and I'm just trying to get it out to the public to the best of my ability. Yeah, that's a good point, because you never know where the right person might be that might hear something that helps them come forward and solve the case. Yes, that's so true. And, you know, I know for a fact, though, you know, several people out there, and I, I feel, I can feel, like, when we're out there in the neighborhoods and stuff, because we go out from one end of our county, which is St. Clair County in Illinois, and uh, we meet people all over. We, and we have my son posters and flyers, crime stoppers all over the whole county from one end to the another. And I'm sharing all the different post pages throughout the county. You know, I'm sharing in over like about 50 counties, 50 different, 50 different groups within my county. And, uh, you know, so... And, and when I get my views and stuff, I can see it's four, five, six thousand, you know, and they're, it's never the same people. So I know that we're reaching a lot of people. And I feel the presence when we're talking to people or when we're out, you know, I feel like the whole, at least half of the commute, the population in that whole, in our region, in this area, knows what happened. They know about the story and stuff. But for some reason, you know, they're being quiet. It's some people that's giving leaves and stuff. So, you know, but it's a lot of people that knows what happened to my son. And that is why we're trying to get the story out and praying that the people, they'll use their conscience and stuff. You know, and just imagine if it was them in our shoes. You know, when I talk to people, I say, imagine if it was your child. Imagine if it was your mother that was going through what I'm going through. And my family, you know, you'll be reaching out to the community for help, too, because you would need this community help to solve your loved one's murder. And the community is is someone you need on your side to help get that word out there and and come forward with the information. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about the case and everything that happened. If if you can, though, just to to start us out, can you tell us a little bit about your son, Gregory, and, and what kind of person he was? Well, my son, we are very family-oriented. You know, we're from the South, and we really, really believe in family. My family is very close-knit. I raised my sons to always, you know, if one day me and my husband be gone, it's just going to be them three and our daughter. You know, we raised them for to always stick together, and, you know, they had a very tight bond you know, and he had, he has five children from the ages of three to the age of 12. And like I say, my son, he was a CEO of his own music recording 
label, which he had, and it was known as GMF 1504. The 1504 stood for my deceased grandmother's address where we grew up at. And, uh, you know, he just loved his family. He loved life. He had a, uh, uh, he was being scouted by Death Jam. That's how good he was with his music. And he was rising up, you know, so he had dreams and goals of making it up to the top in the music industry. And unfortunately, that was all stolen away from him. But other than that, he was a hardworking young man. He loved his family. He was always the life of the group. You know, he always made us laugh. And, you know, wherever he was at, he was, he wouldn't, you know, it was never a stranger that he met because it was just his personality. So, you know, he, everywhere he went, you know, people, they sort of claimed to him. He said the homeless, he would, you know, somebody asked him for some money to buy, to eat or whatever. He knew that someone needed something. He helped a lot of the people in his immediate areas, you know, community, uh, such as he even had some so-called associates, you know, they didn't have clothes, whatever they didn't have, you know, he would share or he would go out there and buy them like underclothes or whatever. And like I say, he said homeless, he would give, if somebody asked him for a dollar, to, you know, people's out there and they need it, he'd give them money. And, I, you know, I, I feel he got that from me because I have a very kind heart and I'm always trying to help somebody in need. And that was him. And like I say, you know, he just was all-around person. And now the and, community uh, is it doesn't have him in it, so it's uh, anytime a community loses someone like that, that's a big loss for the entire community. Yes, I know that those people, they, they miss him and the things that he did to help in the community. And also, like I say, he was known as Little Georgia. That was his nickname. Uh, and like I say, just you know, we just had so many dreams and goals. I used to always make a joke with him because he was very playful. He was the playfulest child that I have out of all four of them. You know, he'd come jump in the bed, play. Just, you know, just, just he was very playful, you know. We were very, very, and we still are very close, yeah. you know, because I never put him in the past because he's still here as far as I'm concerned with us. Yeah. And I just thank God for the memories of the 31 years that he gave us so that I have these memories to cherish. Yeah. That's and, a good, uh, and, good way to, to look at it. The, the time you have with them or, or mm -hmm. a gift. Back to his children. Like I say, you know, he have five, but two of whom their mother is deceased. She passed in 2010. And, you know, this is really, really, it's a big blow to all of his children. And it's devastating for our whole family, but especially his children. And, uh, you know, because the oldest two, they're 10 and 12, and those are the two, you know. Thanks to Jehovah, I would say, me and myself and my husband, you know, we was able to get guardianship of them after the murder. But, you know, it, and we, all we can do is just try to do the best that we can do to try to finish raising them up to be productive citizens, you know. And we try to make them happy. And, you know, right now, like, I have to have them, like, in doing a little counseling and stuff. 
And, you know, they're very hurted. And like I said, it's sad. You know, so person can just imagine themselves with no parents at all. You know, but like I said, my grandchildren, it's a blessing that God allowed me and my husband to be able to fill in, the, you know, to be there. Sure. And that's truly a blessing. Yeah. But it's sad. It's sad because I'm always trying to keep them comforted as well as my husband and my other children, you know. And then sometimes I forget about me. But I have to, you know, a lot of people, my counselor, she says, what what, what are you doing for you? Sometimes you got to take a break, but it's like I can't. My brain is constantly 24 hours thinking about my son, thinking about what I can do to get his story out there, to get justice for him. And I just pray and ask God to uh, let someone come forward with the truth so that these people that's responsible could be arrested and charged with my son's murder so that it won't just be another person out there with no closure that was murdered. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Let's, if, if we can, let's go back to that day in May when your son was, his life was taken from you. Um, can you walk us through that day and what happened and how things unfolded? Well, I talked to my son. Uh, and I saw my son the, the, the day prior to his murder. He came over to the house and everything, and I gave him his, I always was babying my son, because that was my baby. And anyhow, I gave him some crab meat and shrimps and stuff, and I said, okay, you know, I'll see you later, tomorrow. And so the next day, which was, was on the Thursday, so I was trying to, I was calling my son. As I went over, I talked to him all, every day, all day, basically. But this Thursday, I went to the subway place, and I know he loves subs. So it's about 6 o'clock, and I told him to, you know, I was calling him. I went by his house, but he wasn't there, and I couldn't get him. I didn't get him on the phone. So about, this house, I asked him what, what, what type of sub did he want. And then so about seven o'clock he called me back and he said he was about to come over, but I told him I was fixing to have my Bible study on Zoom. So I said, Okay. I said, just come about eight thirty. You know, that way you won't disturb me while I'm doing my Bible study. And uh so he said, Okay, Mama And he told me that he was going and do some to a recording, another recording studio with this guy. He, like, shoot his videos and stuff, and he was going to meet with him. And uh, that was, like, in my neighborhood. But And then he was going to come by my house. And uh, so I said, okay. I said, well, make sure you come by, you know, because I have something for you, you know, because I always give my son money, but, you know, he's money or whatever, you know. And uh, 
joke about my meeting was over at 8.30. So I was getting tired. About 9 o'clock, I was about to call my son because I was getting ready for bed. And he loved to knock on the window. <laughs> you know, if he don't get me on the phone, he'll cell phone, he'll knock on my room and then wake me up. But I didn't want him to be woke up because I was tired. So he um, told me, he said, he called me about 9 it's way down. Uh, well, we're going to this because I can't. But it was a little bit after that. But anyhow, my son, he he um he called me and he said, Mama, just put the little package, which was the money in the mailbox for me. And I'm going to swing on by um, when I go by the person else who was his recording, the person that records his dancer. And I say, I said, okay. He said, I said, okay, I'm glad you called me. I said, because I didn't want you to wake me up because I'm about to go to bed and I'm tired. And I said, okay. I said, I love you. And I said, I'll see you tomorrow. And he said, okay, mom, I love you too. And I'll talk to you tomorrow. So I, um, about 30 minutes later, I got a call from my husband. He was out of town. His sister, she was real sick, so he had just went out town a couple of days prior to this, probably like that Monday or something. Then my husband called me, and he was the one that revealed to me that my son had got shot because these people, as responsible, you know, it's odd. Why would you, you call all the way down out of town to tell my husband? And then my husband called me, and he was like, uh, I can't get shot. I even got shot, and I said, excuse me? I said, you know, and I just, but before he said it, he was like, what are you doing? Because I guess he was probably trying to figure out if I knew or not, and I said, I'm getting ready for bed. And then he said, oh, he said, Lord, people trying to kill me, but he meant like in a jokingly way, like stressing me out. And I said, what are you talking about? And that's when he told my son, yeah, and I told my son he got shot. So... I got up and I put on my clothes and stuff, and I called my other son. But in the meantime, the same person called my husband way out of town, and I went and got my other son. And, I mean, it's just so strange that, you know, because the person had called my son down there. They called my son Gregory come down there when I'm learning. One of his so-called friends, which is an acquaintance of his, he called my son to come down there where he was at when my son got shot at. The same person turned around and, and had another person call my husband in Georgia and then run to my other son's house up here and, and get him and tell him my, that my son had been shot. And all that's just like a, it's, it's coincidental, you know, and it just don't make no sense to me. It's It sounds uh, like that maybe your son was set up or there was an ambush type of situation? I, I think so. I think so. So my son, Gregory Stewart, he was murdered May the 29th of 2020 in East St. Louis, Illinois at 2408 Bond Street. That's B-O-N-D Street in East St. Louis. And was that a house or a business or what kind of yes, place? Yes, at a residence. Mm-hmm. But okay. like when I put everything out on Facebook, I always put 
I mean, stop the date he was murdered, and I put the address and where it was in East St. Louis. So it's all going around. It wasn't meant for him and stuff. But like I said, I think that the person called him down. It was a partial. It was a setup. Huh. And and did your son have any enemies or anyone that had a, a problem with him? Or no, might no, no, him? he didn't. No, he did not. And then the, the person put a big old post up on Facebook. The one who called my son down there. Met before, and that's why I can't understand and what it was linked to. When the person put it up there and all on live on Facebook, like he was waiting for somebody to come through or something, you know. He, he knows what happened, and he knows what happened. And I feel like he's, I mean, he's responsible for my son's murder. He knows what happened, he knows who did it, and he's the cause and the reason that my son is dead. Can't say no names. Can't reveal all that due to the investigation. Sure, that's understandable. You don't want to jeopardize that. Was was this shooting in broad daylight? Were there any witnesses or potential witnesses? Oh, according to the, it, it was at least I would say at least out about eight to ten people that was out there, and it was at night. But you know, I can't say the time and stuff again due to the investigation. Your thinking is that perhaps some of these people that might have information that might have seen it are afraid to talk because they're afraid their lives might be in danger. Oh, yeah, a lot of people. When we, we did a march, we did a rally and uh, stuff, and people, they come in to us, but they're afraid to talk to the police because they say they don't want to be dead next. Sure, and it's hard to, I mean, you want them to come forward and share information, but at the same time, you you almost understand why they're afraid to come forward. Is there an anonymous way to provide information so that they can give information without maybe giving their names? Yes, I'm telling them, you know, on Facebook and stuff, they can go. And when I make my post, you know, anyone can come forward with information. They can go through crime stoppers at a... one eight six six three seven one eight four seven seven, and they will remain anonymous. Anonymous, and also there is a reward being offered for the leading to an arrest information. You know, and I spoke with the crime stopper people, so you know they just they don't even reveal who you are. They don't get your name. They just they just uh, give you like a number or something. You know, and if it in in, in you know. They remain anonymous, and then once the you know the person, if it leads to an arrest, then they get the reward. And as well, my family, we have additional money that you know for a reward as well. And I always say, I hope someone, if they have information, would come forward um, for the right reasons, just because they it's the right thing to do. And again, hopefully, that if anyone out there listening would have information, they would just do the right thing and come forward to help your family out. But um, for some people, if a reward is what it takes and, um, and you still get the information, then that's sometimes what it has to be. What's been going on with the investigation? I know there's, there's certain things you can't talk about, certain details you can't give, but did the police talk to some of the people that they need to talk to? Or are they actively investigating and following up leads and stuff? Yes, they're actively investigating. And uh, also, I forgot to say, also, so if they don't want to go through crime stoppers, they can contact the Illinois State Police. 
and um, they are actively, you know, investigating the case. And, you know, so any information that they receive, they're going to follow up on it. Are they doing a good job of staying in touch with you and keeping you and your family updated? Mm, yes, they, they are. Because when, when I reach out to them or whatever, you know, they'll contact me back. Sometimes it might be a week later, but they'll contact me back, you know. so And I know that I have to understand that they have several cases that they're working on, so they can't jump soon as I fall or whatever. You know, and like I say, they're also, you know, they come by and they, they talk to us, so keeping us up to date. But like they said, you know, it's a lot of information lies that we don't even know. And it's not that they're being secretive, but they hold that stuff for when we go to trial. Sure. And it's it's good that they're communicating with you because all too often I talk to families who haven't had contact with the police. They're not getting updates. So it sounds like at least they're keeping you in the loop of what's going on. Oh, believe me, because I, I, I know how to go out there. I go out there, and I'm staying, staying on them. I'm not going to let it go like I told them. I'm not going to let it go. If I have to call, I mean, I'm not just worrying, but if I have information or I hear something or whatever, believe me, that's it. You know, I'm, you know, and I'm going to let them know because every lead, you don't know which one is going to lead to an arrest. You know, my family, we're not just sitting down and we're not just sitting back. You know, we, we're out here. And I've drawn several organizations, activists, groups and stuff against gun violence and stuff. And they're supporting us and we're supporting them and, you know, just doing the best to get, 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 get the story out. And not only my son, you know, other murders also in uh, East St. Louis, Illinois, in the St. Clair County area. Yeah, is is gun violence pretty prevalent there? Oh yes, yes. Uh, it's especially in East St. Louis, and it doesn't get any publicity as to the numbers. And it's like we don't even exist as compared to St. Louis, Missouri, which is right across the river in Missouri. But we are east. This area is East St. Louis, Illinois, and we're just a bridge away from each other. So we're like two minutes away from Illinois to Missouri. But it's like, you know, East St. Louis, Illinois, and that's another thing I'm trying to get in contact with Operation Legend, which is an organization that help with the FBI and stuff come in and they help to solve these crimes. Because Illinois, East St. We need a, in East St. Louis, we need a little help from a higher people up higher, like the FBI and all, to assist and help with the Illinois State Police. Because in my opinion, I feel like they're overrun. You know, every time, every day is murder. And a lot of it, they don't even make public. You know, my son's stuff wasn't out there. But that was at the time when it happened. I was just so angry and upset, and I didn't want anybody. I didn't want my son's stuff shared nowhere up here. You know, because I felt like people just want to be nosy and this and that. But, uh, and I, I guess you have to struggle between putting information out there and keeping it private, but also wanting to share his story. Well, it's just bits and pieces of the story I share. But when I put it out to the people, they know. And the people that were out there, and hopefully some of them have spoken with some of their family members. But I feel like the whole community, especially in that area where it happened, I feel like everybody out there know what happened. 
state they identify my son as the, the person on the pole right there. You know, we did a memorial for my son, and we put a we did a put him on the pole cause right by the house because we didn't want to go on the people's property, so that way they wouldn't be able to touch my son. You know, we got flowers up there. I did a big yard sign. We hung it up on the pole. We got teddy bears and everything up there. Well, we, we've talked about all the, the stuff you've been very active in the community, not being afraid to get out there, even though it's dangerous at sometimes. And my question is, what ideas do you have going forward? What are some of the next things you plan to do? Well, I finally got an airing on KMOV, Channel 4 News. We did that on Friday, last Friday, which was the 7th. 7th or the 6th of December. And, but due to all the breaking news and the violence and stuff over in St. Louis, because the news place is out of St. Louis, but she called me again on yesterday, which was yesterday on the 10th, and she told me that it's, the story is already edited. It it's, looks very nice, pictures or interview and everything. And prayerfully, it'll air tonight on the 11th, and then she's going to send me a link that I can share, in which I'll be sharing it all over Facebook. And that's good. The more publicity you get, the better, and, and hopefully the right person hears something and comes forward, which is what we like to do with this podcast, put it out there and let people share it and get it in front of the right person that comes forward with the information that might make the difference. You also have a Facebook page set up for your son. What is your uh, Facebook page called? I set up a Facebook page, and it's called Justice for Gregory Stewart. And people can learn more about his case and contact you if, if they want to share something with you and stuff there? Yes, sir. And um, also when I share my stories, especially when I go live, I tell them, you know, if you're serious and you have a lead or something, you can even contact me in my inbox. And hopefully people will do that if they're afraid to go to the police, but maybe they'll share something with you and then you can maybe pass it along to the right people. Yes, sir. Well, again, I, I will definitely share that uh, link to your Facebook page so people out there that are listening that want to know more about the case can uh, find their way to your page and, and learn more about Gregory's story. I pray, too, because just like this morning, I wake up for some food, you know, stuff that's, and it's very agitating and aggravating for myself and my family, you know. And these people out here just doing what they do, living their lives. And then, you know, we don't even know, we don't know, the, we only know that one personally that called my son down there. The rest of the people we don't know. Never seen them a day in our life, you know, but it's still not right, you know, and, and we just, I'm, I'm really and uh, I have another thing that I plan on doing because I'm trying to figure out the, how come this person that called my son down there and he's still walking around on the streets, but he don't want to tell the truth because, you know, I'm not being funny or anything, but just like I told the detectives, if it was a law enforcement and they would have came to your house and they was in that situation and somebody got shot and nobody really wanted to tell who did it, guess what? Especially the person. They all have been locked up and interrogated, you know? But I feel like my son, it's like it doesn't matter. And this boy, it matters to me, you know? But uh, 
I'm not saying the detectives don't feel like it doesn't matter because I feel like they feel it does, but I'm not talking about them on that part. On that part, I'm talking about the prosecutors and all. You know what I'm saying? Up against a brick wall with the prosecutors in St. Clair County because they act like these our children's lives and family members' lives mean nothing. You know, I was so hurt that I called to talk to them. Gregory Stewart, who? You know? Instead of somebody explaining to me to let me know that my son's stuff wouldn't have been up there unless it was someone in custody already, you know? So I had to learn that way, you know? And it's just like, like I said, I, I got to give the detectives and them their props because in the police in the area, they, they do an awesome job. But the prosecutor, they make it so hard because they want so much. It's like they're on the criminal side, the prosecutors. They, you can come with a this or that. The same name can keep popping up or whatever. But if you don't actually have, I guess, say the eyewitness or a smoking gun in the person's hand, they're not going to do anything. Maybe it's it's almost as they're yeah. overwhelmed. They're looking for an easier case to, they're, making to it, they're making it so hard, you know, and it's just like across in St. Louis, but St. Louis do make it public. So they might have about almost 200 murders this year, but guess what? Only maybe 30 or 40 has been, uh, solved. And you know, that's just like an estimate. I'm just giving you like a figure, but it's close to that. And it's the same way in my area. I know for a fact, my child was murdered in May. And I, I can at least tell you, they keep everything so hush-hush and quiet over here. They don't even make the news, okay? They don't get on the TV, never. And uh, the they, don't, they won't even, they won't make it available to the public. But I know for a fact, I would say at least about 50, 50 to 75 people, 50 people at least have been murdered in the East St. Louis area this year. And too, ma- too many lives lost. And guess what? They might have solved maybe five of them. Oh. And that's because of the prosecutors. And like I say, I'm, I'm in the process of going, I don't speak with the Attorney General of Illinois because something needs to be done about this prosecutor that they have. Because it's like he's for the criminals instead of helping the detectives when they come with the information. And hey, let's arrest these people. Yeah. Let's get them. You know, that's my opinion. And let them get a lawyer and let them prove with a lawyer why, how they're innocent or whatever. Instead of before you'll pick up the charges and charge somebody or arrest somebody, put out a warrant for them, the detectives and stuff have to basically have a smoking, as you say, gun in their hand. You know, yeah. and when they say, you got to have an eyewitness. You know, somebody tell you something and you tell them, it means nothing. It means nothing. And, and, and that's sad. It's got to be know? a very frustrating feeling for your family to, to go through it's that. It's frustrating. And it's agitating. Yeah. And, and, and in the meantime, we are being tortured by these people out here. You know, and that's a lot mentally for you to go through. You know, I sit up all night last night. I sit well. And it's like, now my son, things just keep coming to my brain. I think about my son and I think about his situation. I think about this whole thing. It's like, for real. I guess the only time I don't, it's not in my brain, it's when I'm sleeping. And, and, and then I wake up. 
You know, I have to, I'm taking medication and stuff from my counselor and my doctor just to try to go through my daily. And, you know, all I want is to be back to Tasha myself. Be, be able to be able to function as a normal, regular person again. You know, I know that I can't. I, I will see my son again in paradise. That is my dream and my goal. And if I try to stay on the right path and do what Jehovah wants me to do so that I have an opportunity to come back and see my son in paradise when this system ends. But in yeah. the meantime, I have to focus and function on this end. And like I said, it's very hard. Um, I hope you get the the answers that you're waiting for, that you're searching for, and, and you can find some peace and get back to, like you mentioned, the, the Tasha that you need to be and, and be healthier. And again, not that you'll ever forget your son or put him you know, behind oh, no, you. No, 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 no. He, he's always here. I got a big old, big old picture of him sitting up here. You know, from the greatest side, I mean, you know, we talk about him every day. You know, he's always here with us. Oh. And, you know, but it's just hurtful when I look at my husband and my children, even my mom, my, my family, you know, and how much pain everyone is in. And oh. all we want is justice and closure. We want these people to be held accountable. And we want them arrested and charged. And the truth come out about my son murder. And these people go to prison. Oh. I don't want them dead. I don't want them to get electrocuted. I want them to go to prison and be held accountable for what they did to my son. Yeah, they have keep, to live with it every day of their and, lives. And also to keep them from doing it to someone else. Yes, because they probably done did it before. Yeah. You know? Well, I, I hope you get that that justice and the answers you're searching for, and I really appreciate you coming on and sharing Gregory's case with us. Thank you once again for joining me for this episode of The Murder of My Family. I'd like to thank Sonny Landon for writing and research assistance in this episode. I hope we all have a happy and healthy 2021 ahead of us. And I hope that you'll spend some of your time with me this year, listening to episodes of The Murder of My Family. Before you go, remember that every murder victim means something to somebody.